ahead and turn to the book of Philippians. That is where we're at. We're in this series called Enduring Hope. And I want us to look at Philippians 1, starting in verse 18. And as we look at our text, Paul is now going to address some fears that are rising up within the Philippians. And so I want to ask this question as you're turning there, and you can talk to your neighbor about this one. Here's the question. What is your biggest fear? What is your biggest fear? All right, go ahead. Share with the person next to you again. Talk to them again. Ask that question. What is your biggest fear? And tell them what your biggest fear is. Go for it right now. good. That's it. Yeah, there you go. That's good. All right, we got, do we have any, uh, do we have any like strange fears in the room? Any strange, odd fears that you just heard that you want to be honest about? Any of them? That's fine. That's fine. I've got a strange one, okay? It is this thing right here. It's a jack-in-the-box, and it's not the restaurant, even though that is also probably a terror to the tummy. Uh, This is a different kind of terror. It's a jack-in-the-box. They say it's a toy, but it actually scares the mess out of me. And I, I, you know, probably young kiddos don't even know what this is anymore. Uh, Judah got to see it. He didn't even know what it was. What am I supposed to do with this? It's not on a TV, so it must not be fun enough. And so I have this terror of a jack-in-the-box. And the thing with the -the jack-in-the-box is that it is surprising. It pops out at you at times that you really don't want it to pop out to you. And when it comes to fears, when it comes to what the Philippians are fearing, there are these Things that are unknown in their future. Now, Philippi is a battleground. There's this place. It is the kind of doorway into Rome. And so there are these people who are always bidding to take over this area. And so they're thinking, okay, who's going to take over next? Right now we're a Roman city, but how long is that going to last? Is someone else going to take us over? We are a key city. Not only that, but they're talking to Paul, and now they're hearing back, and there's fear that they have. It's like, hey, is Paul going to actually make it out of prison this time? And, and you'll see later. And if he makes it out of prison, will he judge us for how we've been living? It's this weird, unique characteristic about Paul. There was this guy who went, and you might have already heard this, but Epaphroditus gets sent to actually help serve Paul in prison. Now, the people in Philippi are probably thinking, okay, what did Epaphroditus say to Paul? 
Like, did he just let it all out? Like, did he talk about our shortcomings? Like, is Paul coming to judge us? Which is why one of the key themes in Philippians is joy. He's like, hey, no, no, no. I'm coming to bring you joy so that you may have joy. I'm not coming to judge. But there's these fears that they have that are happening within them. We also have fears. The media does not help with this. But we also have fears right now. This, we're, we're kind of in a time of debates are kicking in. It is still really hot. I mean, it is end of August, and it is hot. You look at the weather reports in the U.S., and the heat just keeps rising. It is crazy how hot it is getting. Apparently, next week, they're predicting, who knows, they're predicting in our future that it will drop at the end of next week. Hope, hope to God that happens. You see that there are these fires in Hawaii. There's these fires in Canada. Canada now has a, tor- a tornado of fire that is coming out up into the water. It's like, what in the world is happening here? There are things that feel unknown. There are these things that are happening in our world that you're like, okay, what's going to happen to us? Like the jack-in-the-box, is something going to pop out next that is going to bring on more fear? And now Paul, what he wants to do is he wants to address this with us, but also, I think, with the Philippians as well. And he wants to answer the question, here it is, what do we do when fears arise? What do we do when fears arise? Philippians 1, 18, we're going to start in the second part of that, and here we go. He says this, yes... And I will rejoice. Let's stop right there. He's saying, I will rejoice. It is now moved from a past tense. That's what he has. He's like, hey, this is what has happened earlier in chapter 1. Present tense. Here's what's going on with me. And now he's moved to future tense. Hey, I want to answer your fears. And to answer your fears, we got to talk about the future. And he's saying, I will rejoice. Earlier, right before that, it says this, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Right afterward, he says, yes, and I will rejoice. It's like an emphatic rejoicing. Why is he so excited, even more excited? This is the crazy thing. He's even more excited about something that's coming than Christ being proclaimed. What could be more joyful than Christ being proclaimed? What is it? He wants to address it here, and he's saying, hey, when I look to the future, I'm actually more joyful than Christ being proclaimed. What in the world would be more joyful than Christ being proclaimed for Paul? Not only that, but he has this future tense, emphatic rejoicing, but in his circumstance— it would be shocking that he would even have joy. Look at the end of verse 20. He says this, I'm going to have joy, even more joy than Christ being proclaimed. And then he says this, I'm going to have more joy, whether by life or by death. What? (laughs) He doesn't know his current circumstances, and he is still saying, I will have joy. I'll have an emphatic joy. I'm excited about the future. I may die, but I'm excited. Not only is he having joy, but it says this. Let's look at the rest of the passage. And I'm just going to hit on a couple of things, and we'll come back to them all. 
For I know, verse 19, I have confidence in, that's another way to translate that, for I will have joy, there's joy, for I know, for I have confidence, I have joy, I have confidence, through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, that this will turn out for my deliverance. He's saying, I will be just fine. Rest assured. Put away your fears about me. Not only that, but he says, as it is my eager expectation and hope. Now he's got joy in his future. He's got confidence in his future. He's got hope in his future. And I will not be put to shame. He has no shame when he looks to his future. But that I will be full of courage. Now he's got courage. As Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. And then he says this, for to me, to live is Christ. And so now he also has life. I think we have this slide of all of these characteristics that he's proclaiming about his future. Do we have that list? If not, I will go over them again. Do we have that list? Oh, there it is. Perfect. So this is what he's saying about his future. He's like, oh, you got a lot of fears? Well, guess what? Let's address your future. And in my future, this is what I have. I've got joy. I've got confidence. I've got hope. I have no shame. I've got courage. I've got life. You don't see fear in there at all. And so he is guaranteeing this is his future. How many of you would want this to be your future. I'm just trying to see if you're awake, okay? Some of you are hesitant. That was just an easy question. Hopefully you want this in your future. I mean, if he's guaranteeing it, I'm like, okay, give me the guarantee. If I could guarantee my future, and I looked at this list, I'd be like, oh my goodness, give me that 100% of the time. I would love that if we looked at the end of Benton's life, it would be like Benton it equals joy, confidence, hope, no shame, courage. He has life. Like, that's what I would want. I want that to be a guarantee. And he is saying it so strongly. He's like, this is a guarantee for me. This is in my future. How do we make that a guarantee in our life? How can we get that guarantee? What all comes from, and we're going to circle around this passage a lot. This is that, Ben talked about this last week. This is that, this is that passage that your grandmother like, you know, knits on a pillow and you keep forever. It's that, it's that verse, you know. And by the way, I don't know if you've ever seen not only things knitted on pillows, but there's this passage where it talks about how hell is subject under his feet. And so there's these grandmothers out there putting like hell stitched on socks. You're like, oh yeah, hell's under my feet. That's right. But this is a key passage for us as Christians, is this line right here in verse 21. This is how he's guaranteeing all of these things. And if we want that guarantee, we need this reality as well. And this is what he says, verse 21, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. To live is Christ and to die is gain. He's saying, I'm living with Christ now, and it's amazing. And guess what? When I die, I'll be with him. Not only 
Is it joyful for me to have the gospel proclaimed, but it's even more joy in my life because I know I get to be with him. It's a game. If you were to, this is a great little tool right here, just to use this verse. If you were to, like, put something else, and I do this all the time, but if you were to put, to live is blank, you put anything else in that blank, the result is, to die is loss. To live is for money. Well, when you die, you don't have that money. To live is for blank, to die is for loss. I've got a hundred idols that I have been through and I have stuffed in that place. And the result of that is loss. I mean, it could be, if you look at my past, it could be about money, it could be about drinking, it could be about my hair product, whatever it is. <laughs> like, this hair is going to fall out. If I'm living for my hair, it's going to be a loss. He's like, if you want a sure investment about your future, live for Christ. Because that is the only gain that you'll get. That's the only way that you can get a gain. Point number one, as I'm just, just now getting started. Point number one, this is what he's doing. He is starting with the end in mind. There's a book called Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Covey. That's number two. He talks about this. When you're looking at budgets or setting goals or whatever, you start with the end in mind. Some of the wisest people I've been around. I'll share my circumstance. I was just talking to somebody last week. And he's an, old, he's an older seasoned, excuse me, uh, seasoned elder that used to be at Grace Snellville. And I'm friends with him, and I called him last week, and I'm sharing all these things, and I'm sharing all these things about my future, actually. And he goes, above all else, guard your heart. And I, and in my mind, I was like, I'm not talking about, like, you know, purity stuff or relationship. Like, that's where I always associate. It's like, oh, yeah, that's purity culture in the church. Yeah, above all else, guard your heart, guard your heart, guard your heart. But he's like, when you think about your future, above all else, guard. I'm like, man, you are seeing things from 30,000 feet. In, in my Bible, I actually wrote this down. The wise see their life from 30,000 feet. Have you ever been around wise people before and you're like, what, in, where, what are you talking about? I'm talking about this circumstance, yet you're looking at it from here. Well, that's what Paul is doing. He's saying, you're caught up in this circumstance. I'm looking at the future and it looks good. Because I get to be with him. And I'm going to start there. I'm going to start with the end in mind. You know how you actually can conquer your fear with a jack-in-the-box? Anybody know? You just open it. Okay. That's one way. Just face your fear. Just leave it alone. Don't touch it. Run away from it. Yeah. Time to flight. Here's my fear. I'm not going to fight it. I'm going to flight it. No, the way that you conquer a jack-in-the-box is you get used to the melody of the song. The song is pop goes the weasel. Yeah, that, that's, that was my rendition of that. 
But once you actually get used to how the song is going to go, you know when it's going to pop out. It's pop goes the weasel. It's always on that note. Pop goes the weasel. And you're not scared anymore. It's like watching a scary movie for the second or third time. You're like, I know how this ends. <laughs> I don't have to be afraid anymore. I know what they're going to choose. I know what happens to the bad guy. I know what happens to this group of people. I know how the story ends. I'm starting now with the end in mind. My son Judah saw this as I was getting ready for this sermon. He goes, oh, can I play with it? Can I play with it? And I knew about the melody or the song of Pop Goes the Weasel. He did not. He was like, what is this? And so he actually starts playing with it, and I am watching his expression because I know when the beat is coming. I know when it's happening. He has no idea. And he's sitting on like one of our like high chairs by our, by our counter, and he, and he does it, and he's like, I don't get it. Like, he's just looking at me, and then all of a sudden it pops. He's like, whoa, like he shakes. And then he's scared, and then he kind of, it's like a laughter, I'm scared thing. Like, what just happened? Oh, my goodness. But here's the thing. I knew that it was coming. He was scared because he didn't know how the melody went. Same with the movie. Once you know the tune. Once you have seen the movie, you start to look forward to the things that once scared you. When this is playing, and you're like, I know how the story ends. If I am in Christ, I don't have to fear anything. I actually know how this is going to go. And then you get to the point of like, okay, now other fears are coming my way. I'm ready to knock those things out because I know what's going to come. So now I'm excited. So now it's no longer a fear thing. I'm like, I'm ready for the things that are going to come my way because I know how the story ends. And we start with the end in mind. The things that once scared you now excite you. It's like when you ride a bike or you get on a horse for the first time. At first, you're scared, but once you get used to it, you're like, I want to keep riding. It's the same with our faith. It's like, at first, I'm really scared. But once you start facing those things and you recognize what's happening, you're no longer scared. You're excited. That's why we emphasize, this is why I would say, if you're looking, if I'm going to take the movie analogy a little bit further, and of course, I'm going to Make it a little cheesy here. I'm a dad. I'm going to like live into my dad life right now. But if I'm going to take that analogy further, it's like I've gotten the script already for the movie. And I have the director, the Holy Spirit with me to help me see what's going to come my way. And now I don't have to be scared anymore. I can be excited because I know how the story ends. I've read the cliffhanger. I get it. I see what happens, that in Christ, it's going to be a gain for me. And so he starts with the end in mind. Now, I'm going to get back to that verse 21 passage in a little bit. I'm not done with it. But let's go on to 22 through 25.
He's now moving from the future, and now he's going back to the present. It's like, uh, it's like he's living from the future, now he's coming back to the present. It's like the end of, uh, what's that movie? It's like the end of Back to the Future, the first one, when he sends him away and then Doc Brown comes back, and he's like, I'm, he goes, I just sent you Back to the Future. And he goes, I'm back, I'm back from the future. It's like, whoa, oh my goodness, what just happened? That's what's happening now. Paul is now back in the present. He's living from the future, thinking about the future. He's now in the present. Verse 22. If I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. So if I'm going to keep living, there will be fruitful labor. Yet I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard pressed between the two. We say it today. It's like I'm between a rock and a hard place here. My desire, I want to depart and be with Christ. Like, I'm longing to be with Him. I want to be gone. For that is far better. But to, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary for your account. And so convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. Let's stop right there. Commentators say that this is some of the most emotive language in the Greek for Paul out of all of his letters. He, he's, like a, he's like one of those pastors, and I'll probably do this this morning, and I'm so sorry, show me grace. But it's like he's adding stuff as he's going. He goes, oh, and final point, like a typical pastor does. Oh, oh and here's another one. Oh, oh, and final point. Oh, I got one last thing to say. Oh, here we go. Let me tell you this. He's just going off the cuff here, and he is just spouting off what he is feeling. They say it's some of the most emotive language. He's between a rock and a hard place because he's eager to go be with Christ, but he's willing to stay. Another commentator said that he actually feels some embarrassment. And the embarrassment is, this is kind of what he's saying, I'm I'm embarrassed to say this, but I'd rather not be with you. (laughs) I kind of don't want to be here right now, if I'm going to be real. That's kind of what he's saying. But to be fruitful and to extend your joy, I'm going to stay. Um, Buddy, the founding pastor of the Grace Churches, he has passed away. And uh, he was planting churches, and he got sick, and he had an aortic dissection. And they gave him like a 4% chance to live. And the staff would go up and pray for him. Uh, and I would go and, and pray and talk to his family. And, and they said, man, he is, he's starting to see the Lord in some really cool ways. And there was these times where Buddy was just like, it's a 4% chance. I'm ready. Like, I want to go be with Christ. And then later, he's like, but if the Lord wills me to stay, I will stay. And what's interesting, th- what's interesting about this is we find ourselves here at this church, this very church, in a unique situation when it comes to this text. Because here's Buddy who's starting to see the Lord, and he's like, I want to go. But if the Lord wills it, I'll stay. And as he's looking out over his window, and you may have heard the story a few weeks ago, he's looking out of his window, he looks at Cobb County, and he says, that he heard the Lord say he's supposed to do something in Cobb County. And so then, between then and when he actually passes, this church gets planted. Which is so fascinating that it's that feeling that, we, that we're kind of getting with Paul right now. He's like, I, I want to go. 
But if you want me to stay, I'll stay. And he stays, and there is fruitful labor for his work. And now we are here as a testimony of it. But something I want to pull out for us as we face our fears is, yes, start with the end in mind, but there's also something really unique here. There's a million things I could pull out of this section, but there's something I think for us that I want us to pull out is not only do we start with the end in mind, but like Paul and like Buddy, we stay honest about the fears that we're facing. Point number two is this, is that we would stay honest. I want us to look back at that list that we had, the joy, the confidence. Can we pull that up? I want us to be honest right now. And by the Holy Spirit, I want to ask the Spirit to point out or highlight something to us all here. What is something that we're missing from our life? Or better yet, what is something that when we look into our future, we just can't see it? There is this quarterly review I've got coming up. I don't feel confident. There's this sickness in me or my family. I have no hope that it's going to get better. There has been all of this stuff in my past, and it's just going to continue into my future, and so I am filled with shame. I'm in survival mode right now in my life. I don't even know where life can come from anymore. I feel like I'm not even living what is it for you? What are you missing from your life? Because it might be some fear that has come up, yes, or it just might be life itself. It might be your current circumstance that you're, just like Paul, wrestling with. And you're like, oh my goodness, I just wish this would go away. I wish this would change. What is it that you feel is missing? And if you have the courage... I ask that you stay honest about that and share that with someone after the service, when you go to lunch, whatever it might be. Say, hey, I want more joy in my life. I want more confidence. I want more hope. I want one of these things, whatever it might be. You got the first one right there? Way to own it, man. Let's all stay honest where we just slip up our hand and we're like, hey, that's me. That's what I want. That's what I'm going after. And we see where it stems from. It stems from knowing the future and how the story ends. But we got to stay honest along the way. So, when fears arise, that's the question, what do we do? So the two things are, we start with the end in mind, okay? And then... We stay honest, and now we face our fears. Well, we're going to face something, and I think it's found in this last verse. And I don't think it's facing our fears. I think it's something completely different. So let's look at this. Verse 26. So that in me, Paul, you may have ample cause to glory, here's the phrase, in Christ Jesus. So verse 26, he's saying this, in me, 
meaning, and if you notice, they're praying for each other. We talked about koinonia. He's hitting on that again. In me, meaning we're together in this. We can stand together. But clearly, we're standing together in one thing, and that is in Christ Jesus. Last point, stand together in Christ Jesus. Now, why is in Christ Jesus such a big deal? This is where I want to end our time. Over 30 times in this little book is this idea of being in the Lord, in Christ. What's unique too is he doesn't say Christ is in us. He says in Christ, be in Christ. It's like, what are they doing? Oh, their head's in the books, in the books, meaning they're studying for something. They are consumed with this information. Oh, what does your wife do for a living? Oh, she is in sales. That's what she does. That's what consumes her. That's where she gets her provision. What, where is Benton? He is in his sweatpants. <laughs> that says a lot about where I'm at. I am consumed with being lazy. Oh, he's stuck in the couch in his sweatpants. It's consuming. And so this idea for Paul is magnificent. If you want to know someone's theology, look at their testimony. If you want to understand someone's theology, even the person you're talking to, know their testimony, know their story. Same thing with Paul. If we want to know Paul's theology, we got to start with his testimony. Well, what, what happens in his testimony? He is walking on this road, and he gets blinded. And as he gets blinded, he asks the question, who are you, Lord? And the response from Jesus is, stop persecuting me. And in his mind, who he's persecuted so far is Stephen. So he's like, uh, is this Stephen? Who is, who is this? Like, I know I've been persecuting people, but he realizes it. Wait a minute. There is no separation between Christ and Christians. And so for him, it is like a light bulb goes off. He's actually seeing for the first time. That if he is persecuting Stephen, he is persecuting Christ. And so then he realizes, wait a minute, Christ is in them and they are in Christ. That's what's consuming them. That's where they're getting that information. That's what they do for a living, for provision. Like in him, by him, through him, with him, always with Jesus. No separation. Because the Holy Spirit lives in us that trust in him, and he lives in us. But even further than that, here's what I think is going on in this passage for us this morning. It's not about facing our fears. It is about facing the faithful witness of Christ. Because it's only in him that we might live. It is in him. To live is Christ. Living in Christ is a win. And if we die, it's a gain. And so he's saying, face the faithful one. Hebrews says this, that he is the author and perfecter of whose faith? Our faith. He who knew no sin became sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. 
We cannot face our fears alone. We need to be together. But not only facing our fears together, we have to face it in him. Saying, this is where I live. This is where I move. This is where I breathe. Is in Christ. I am rooted. He is my foundation. He goes before me. He's behind me. He's with me. And he's going to continue to be with me even when I pass from this life into the next. He is with me. And in him can I face my fears. There's this amazing story, and I'll wrap up with this. Band, you can go and come on up. When we start facing the faithful one, we recognize that by his faith, we can do this. By his faith, we can face our fears. Not by our faith, not by our might, not by our lights or by our swag, whatever it is. It's not by those things. It's by him that we have life. It's by him that we live. It is his faith that we can face whatever is to come. He's the faithful one. I was in Israel a few months back, and I got to go to the garden where Jesus was going to be taken to prison. And so if you know the story... He sweats these drops of blood beforehand, and he's talking to God, and he's saying, I'm going to be honest here. I'm going to be very emotive here. He sweats drops of blood, and he's like, if there's any other way, let there be another way. But yet, your will be done. And so he moves from that place, and then he's in the garden And the disciples are with him, and he's saying, hey, stay with me. Stand. But what do they do? They fall asleep. And when I stood there in that place, I recognized the geographical location was crazy to me. So in this, like, olive garden, (laughs) not the restaurant, The trees don't get that high, and you can actually see the city where all of these guys would have come down with these torches to come get Jesus. He knew it was his time. And here's the thing. When he was facing it with his faithfulness, he was able to stand. The crazy thing about it is he could have had our two reactions. This would have been my my reaction. He could do what? He could He could fight. Or he could flight. Behind him was the city of, or the town of Bethany. So he had a bunch of friends there. He had a house he could go hide in. He could have ran. He could have easily hit the flight button and be like, I'm out of here. I see them coming from far away, and I'm out. Or he could have been like Peter, and what does Peter do? Peter's like, it's time to fight. And he cuts the person's ear off. He's like, no, this is not how we're going to do this. And I just can't help but think of myself in the disciples' place. It's like, man, when I was checked out and asleep in my own life, he stood in my place. When he, when, when he stood there, I could have, I easily want to fight and push through and perform and make things happen and conquer my fears. And I want to look back at my life and be like, oh yeah, Bitten conquered all of his fears. Trying to prove something. 
But I also stood there and I was like, man, if I saw these torches coming and I knew I had a house to go hide in, I would have gone and stayed hidden for a very long time. I, I wouldn't have been honest about this reality. I would have ran. And he's like, no, I'll stand in your place, Benton. I'll stand in your place. You may look back at your past and say, I don't know that I have a very bright future. He looks at you with grace and love. He says, I'll stand in your place. I'll stand. You feel weak. You feel like you can't stand. You're tired of fighting. He's like, I'll stand. I'll be faithful. It's okay. Just face me. He's like, well, you don't know how far away I am. He's like, just face me. You may feel far off, but all he cares about is like, hey, are you facing him? You may feel like you're so distant. You're so gone. You're like, man, he's talking about Christians having no fear. I got all the fear in the world. I don't even know if I'm a Christian. You got to look at my life. It doesn't add up to a really nice thing. And I look at my future and it doesn't look pleasant to me. He's saying, I will stand in your place. Do you trust in me. You're like, I'm so far away. I'm so removed from this church thing. He's like, just face me. I don't care how far off you feel. You're closer than you think. And for all of you, having the courage and the boldness. I'm not joking when I say this. Sometimes we take it light, but sometimes Sunday mornings are hard for a variety of reasons. For you to have the courage just to come here this morning, that is you saying, I'm going to face him one more time. I'm going to get up and I'm going to do it. I don't know what is going to happen with my job. I don't know where I'm going to get the money from. I don't know what's going to happen with my family. I've got all of this stuff that's going on in my life. But I got up today, and he's saying, that's more than enough. That's more than enough. I will stand for you, whether you feel far away or not. I will stand for you. And all you got to do is face me. And I'll stand in your place. And the reality is, we're going to sing this song together. It says this, it says, no longer is fear my future. But you are, Christ. It's you, Jesus. Paul is starting with the end in mind. He says, I will rejoice emphatically more than the gospel being proclaimed on this earth. It's because he is my future. I'm facing him. I'm walking towards him. It's going to be hard. I really don't want to be here anymore. (laughs) But I will continue to be here. You know why? Because I know the end of the story. And so I've got nothing to hide. I've got nothing to hide. I can share this with the prayer team this morning because I've got nothing to hide anymore. I know how it ends for me. This is not a big deal as I've been making it. And so if I just confess, I'll get healed. It says that in James, that healing will start to happen. And so if you, if you feel like you're suffocating, don't keep isolating. And I'm talking to myself. I've learned this reality just recently. Sometimes I start suffocating. It's because I'm isolating. And so we are going to stand together in Christ. No matter how far you've been, he looks at you. 
He says, I'll stand in your place. Will you just trust that I'm enough? Will you trust that to live in me is going to be a gain for you? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your faithfulness. Even, as it says, when we have been faithless, you've still been faithful. And so now we can look to our future and have joy and confidence and hope and no shame in life. We can look to it because you are our future. You are our joy. You are our hope. We will not be put to shame. We can be confident in that reality. So we look to you, Jesus, as the author and the perfecter of our faith. And we say we want to join you and be in you now, now and forever. It's in your name we pray.